0: Thank you. Wow, lots of moving parts around Crossroads here this morning. (laughs) Mm. And did you notice you can draw a straight line between the songs, the song that our kids just sang and the theme for our service here this morning, Be Strong. And the theme of our service today, Be Strong, comes from 2 Timothy, and it's Interesting to me that we're in 2 Timothy on this Mother's Day weekend 2016. It's most appropriate, don't you think, because there would not even be a Timothy in the New Testament if it were not for two very committed Christian women. Timothy's grandmother, whose name is Lois, and Timothy's mother, whose name is Eunice, these two women have a commendation by the Apostle Paul in chapter 1 because of their sincere faith, the sincere faith that lived in them, and because of their influence on Timothy. This same sincere faith took root in his life during his formative years. And there's a lesson in that for us on this Mother's Day. And it is with great admiration and affection that we welcome and honor our grandmothers and our mothers who are here today at crossroads. To those of you who gave birth to your first child this year, we celebrate with you. And to those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. And to those who are in the trenches with the little ones every day and often wear the badge of food stains to prove it, we appreciate you. And to the ones who experienced loss through a miscarriage or a failed adoption or a runaway child, we pray for peace in your heart. And to those who walk the difficult path of infertility, we stand in prayer with you. For you who are foster moms and mentor moms and spiritual moms. We appreciate you. To those who have a warm and close relationship with your children, we share your joy. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and estrangement from your children, we share your pain. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you today. For those who've experienced abuse or neglect at the hands of your own mother, we pray for healing grace in you. And for those who are single and desire to be married and mothering their own children, we pray God's bless, God's best for you in the future. And to our single moms, we love and support you. To those who are step parenting, we want to encourage you. To those who hope for the blessing of grandchildren with that hope not yet a reality, we pray for patient faith in you. For those who will have emptier nests in the months ahead, we share your emotions of sadness and gladness. And to those who are pregnant (laughs) with new life today, we anticipate a blessing for you. To those who terminated a pregnancy this year, we pray for God's grace and peace. And for the one who placed a child up for adoption, we commend you for being God's answer to the prayers of the childless. And to all here on this Mother's Day weekend, we thank God for you. And again, we're in 2 Timothy the Apostle Paul's last words. Last week he charged Timothy in chapter 1, do not be ashamed, stand up. And this week in chapter 2, it's this, be strong, don't quit. That's the message encapsulated. Now the reason for Paul's encouragement for Timothy to be faithful is because of the hardships that he was facing in the first century church. And friends, we in the 21st century church need this encouragement to faithfulness now just as much as Timothy did back then. So I want to try to make an investment this morning in both the quality and the longevity of your Christian life every day, day after day, until your very last day. But be aware of this. You will be tempted to quit. Maybe you've seen that bumper sticker, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. It illustrates the fact that the normal response to hardship is to avoid it. Let's just face it. Let's be honest. The Christian life is sometimes hard. The Apostle Paul is preaching to believers in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, when he said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That is said to believers. I think Timothy was tempted to quit. When he received this letter from Paul, he was preaching and teaching in Ephesus. He was a young, single missionary, somewhat introverted, probably more reticent than he was confident. And we know he had frequent stomach problems. And he was also facing some tough challenges. For instance, he was facing the challenge of leadership ministry. And ministry leadership can be hard. Later in chapter 2, Paul refers to it as being a workman. And the word there is the same word that refers to a slave. Now, don't get me wrong. Ministry is a deep and abiding joy. It is a great joy. Privilege, but it's a whole lot like being a parent. Being a parent is a joy, a great joy to see your children grow as they progress through life's passages, but parenting is also mostly a lot of hard work. I think I went seven years without getting an uninterrupted night's sleep during the time that we were having our babies. (laughs) I say we. Our first two kids were born before disposable diapers were common. Honestly, folks, I should get into heaven on the basis of my diaper folding alone. In those pre-pamper days, it was my job to fold two baskets of diapers a day. Oh, my goodness. Some days I was sure had, I had descended into purgatory. So parenting… Parenting involves cleaning up messes and dealing with cranky little people. And if you're in ministry long, I'm just saying. (laughs) On a more personal note, we have a new younger lead pastor starting here officially in just two weeks. It is a huge challenge to serve a church of 4,000 people. And I want to encourage you to be empathetic. By that I mean He will have great rapport with our younger families. Of that I am confident. And I predict that we're going to have some significant growth in our younger families in this church. The Evansville Christian High School building is being built out here on the end of what used to be Crossroads property. The new addition under construction here right now to add children's classrooms and dedicated space for our middle school and high school ministry, the assembly of a dynamic new family ministry team, we're going to grow in our younger families and in our young people. But now if you're older, if you're middle-aged on up, I want you to treat our new pastor and his family as you would want your adult children or your young adult grandchildren to be treated. We can trust the character of our new lead pastor, and being able to trust character, that is the most important aspect of pastoral leadership. Now Timothy was tempted to quit because ministry leadership is hard. And then Timothy was also facing the challenge of maintaining his integrity. Timothy was ministering in Ephesus. This is a city that's filled with temptation. I was just there a year ago last November, and in the ruins you can see the evidence of what was going on in that ancient city of Ephesus. Later Paul will say to Timothy, flee the evil desires of youth, but sometimes you know it's hard. It's hard to turn your back and run the other way. It's easy to maintain your integrity when you're holding a communion cup in your hand, but it's a little harder when you're holding a remote control to the TV or a computer mouse in your hand. And it's easy to maintain integrity when you're talking to friends in your small group. It's a lot harder when you're talking to coworkers in the break room. It's easy to maintain integrity when you're walking through the hallways at church, but it's a little harder when you're walking down the rows of books and magazines in the gift shop of an airport terminal. It's hard as a Christ follower to be countercultural. It's hard to consistently live in the world and not be seduced by the world, and you'll be tempted to quit, quit trying. Then Timothy, Timothy also had the challenge of facing hostility. I think it's likely that Timothy had it at home from his own father, who was not a believer. And if you're from a family that ridicules you or shuns you or does not even grudgingly support you because of your commitment to Jesus or the church, it stings, and it stinks, and it's hard. I mentioned earlier that Timothy was preaching in Ephesus when he received this letter, and that would have been a tough place to serve, not only because of the worldliness, but because of the idolatry. The first time Paul went to Ephesus as a missionary, Acts chapter 19 tells the story, the entire town gathered in an amphitheater that holds 25,000 people, and they stood on their feet and chanted for two solid hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Artemis was a non-existent deity, an idol they worshiped in the city. Two solid hours on their feet, screaming. Paul could not wait to get in front of them in that amphitheater to tell them about Jesus. It was a riot. It was a riot in Ephesus when Paul went there the first time because they loved idols, not Christians, in Ephesus. And some of the hostility that Timothy had to deal with might even have come from within the church because later in this same chapter, Paul talks about the fact that godliness can show itself, uh, ungodliness, rather, can show itself in professing Christians. He speaks of those who oppose the Lord's servant. He speaks of those the devil has taken captive to do his will in the church, So, Timothy was being undermined by the very people he was called to serve, and if that happens to you, you will be tempted to quit. Then there's the challenge of dealing with tragedy. You remember. Paul is writing this from prison. He's on death row. He knows in a few months, a few weeks, maybe even a few days, he faces execution. And Timothy is about to lose his spiritual father. He's about to lose his mentor. He is about to lose his best friend, the man who's taught him everything he knows that is important about life and living. He's about to die. And it's hard not to quit when you're dealing with loss. It's hard not to quit when you're dealing with personal tragedy. One of my coworkers at Ozark Christian College was Academic Dean Dr. Lynn Gardner. In the span of a single year, one year, his 30-year-old son Mark was killed in an auto accident. His pregnant daughter-in-law, now a widow, and his granddaughter was born that year with serious birth defects requiring multiple surgeries. Lynn's wife, Barbara, had a grapefruit-sized tumor removed from the pericardial sac around her heart, and he himself was diagnosed with a terminal lung disease that would require a double lung and heart transplant to save his life. Friends, that is a lot of tragedy, But you cannot imagine how their face shined through it all. And some of you are going through or you will go through tragedy in the months ahead, and you will be tempted to quit. That's why Paul writes this letter, to say to Timothy and to say to all of us, be strong. Don't quit. Don't let anything take you down spiritually. Look at his words, the words of our text, 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, and then picking up verse 10. Paul says to Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul is saying to Timothy here, Timothy, be strong, don't give up, stay faithful, hang tough. The word is endure, endure. It's the Greek word hupomeno. It's used four times in Paul's epistles, two of them in this chapter. The word literally means to remain. Keep your feet planted. It means stay strong, hold your ground. This is a word that has a sore back. It has blistered hands. This word has aching muscles, but it also has an iron will. It means you endure when everyone else has quit. And Paul's desire for Timothy is my desire for you. I want you to endure, endure in your marriage. Endure in your family life, endure in your ministry, most of all endure in your personal relationship with Jesus. But the question is, how do I stay strong? How can I endure? And Paul helps Timothy to endure by giving him some word pictures of what it looks like to endure, what it looks like to be strong. And he says in verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying. So that's what we want to do. We want to reflect on what Paul said. He said, Timothy, if you're going to be strong, if you're going to endure hardship, you have to have the dedication of a good soldier. That's in verses 3 and 4. And Josephus, a first-century historian, describes a Roman soldier. It was a hard life. He was required to sign on for a hitch of 20 years, and he was forbidden to marry during that time and only half of all Roman soldiers lived to make it to retirement. It was no nine-to-five job. There were no distractions. It required 100 percent commitment. And I fear that too many Christians are rather like that kamikaze pilot who flew 50 missions. (laughs) Do you get my meaning here? They want to be involved, but not committed. Too many Christians want the medals. They do not want the scars. But we are to be soldiers like Art Chin. In the 1930s, the Japanese were at war with China, and Art Chin was a Chinese fighter pilot. During one aerial battle, he took out three Japanese fighters. He shot one down, then he ran out of ammunition, so he deliberately rammed the second Japanese plane and took it out, and then his own plane headed down. So he bailed out, and he landed near the wreckage of his aircraft, and he was able to salvage a huge machine gun off his plane. He hoisted it up over his shoulder. He carried it eight miles back to his air base. When he got there, he threw the gun down in front of his commanding officer and said, sir, may I have another airplane for my machine gun? Isn't that great? I I want you to be a Christian soldier like that, a soldier who does not know the meaning of quit. Paul goes on to say if you're going to be strong and endure hardship, you have to have the discipline of an athlete. That's in verse 5. An athlete, he says, that competes according to the rules. Now, scholars will tell you that this phrase is probably a reference to the pledge that Olympic athletes would take. They had to take a pledge that they would train for two years before the Games. And any athlete without the discipline to train and the discipline to follow the rules, that's it, the discipline to train and the discipline to follow the rules, without that, you wouldn't make it. Before they could win the crown, they had to push themselves through suffering, and most of us avoid difficulty. We avoid stress, but an athlete welcomes it. I remember the number, the motto that hung on the wall in our football locker room, no pain, (laughs) no gain. An athlete knows that that's part of the package that's necessary for victory. Speaking of training, in 1992, American Gail Devers won the 100 meter dash by only six one hundredths of a second. And here's her amazing story Gail suffered from Graves' disease just the year before she won the Olympic gold. She came within two days of having both of her feet amputated. And after surviving that scare, she began to train and push toward her goal. Gail Devers. Self-discipline and persistence won the day and the gold medal. She trained and pushed through the pain and won the gold. And competing according to the rules, a recent NCAA cross-country championship held in Riverside, California, 123 of the 128 runners missed a turn, and they were disqualified. Mike Delcavo was the first runner who stayed on the 10,000-meter course, and he motioned for the other runners to follow him, but only four other runners went with him. And afterwards, Delcavo responded, they laughed at me when I went the right way. As a follower of Jesus, you have the directions for life's race marked out for you by Christ. The crowd is most certainly not headed that direction. In fact, you may have to ignore the laughter and derision of the crowd, but you can rejoice over those who have the wisdom and courage to follow you. One more word picture here. If you're going to be strong and endure hardship, you have to have the diligence of a hardworking farmer. That's in verse 6, and this is a picture of strength and strain and struggle and sweat. And If you've ever worked on a farm, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever put up hay in the summertime, if you've tended the fields, maybe you have detasseled corn, my all-time hatest job. But a farmer, a farmer keeps on working till the harvest comes. All the people on my mother's side of the family were farm people. And farmers have a work ethic that is truly amazing. My uncle Delbert was the personification of the hard-working farmer. He was up at first light, sometimes did not come in for supper until after dark. If you're going to be a farmer, it requires diligence. My uncle used to say that you have to plan that one out of every seven years, you'll have a financial washout. Farmers have to plan for these cyclical weather catastrophes. And, and they may only get one paycheck a year at harvest time. So a crop failure would mean no paycheck for two years. Takes patience, takes persistence, takes plain old hard work to be a successful farmer. Farming is a commitment that requires all a man has and then some. But a farmer loves it. When I asked my Uncle Delbert, he was complaining about the cost of farming. I said, Uncle Delbert, what would you do if you had a million dollars? He said, That's easy. I would farm until it's all gone. That kind of. And in the same way, a disciple of Jesus who wants to disciple others needs diligence. The harvest may not come in a day or a week or a month or even it sometimes takes years, but the harvest will come. And a farmer has to be strong. He doesn't know quit. His patient determination and hard work will produce fruit. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, if you endure hardship as a good soldier, if you uh, endure hardship as an athlete who trains hard and competes according to the rules, and if you endure hardship as a hard-working farmer, this is the ultimate outcome. You will save yourself and save others also. You will bring other people to Jesus starting with your own household. And Paul says in verse 10, "'Therefore I will endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory.'" Paul says, "'I am willing to endure because I am helping people who are in Christ stay there, and I am helping people who aren't in Christ to get there.'" He was willing to endure suffering because he knew it was bringing people to Jesus like nothing else could. And in the end, none of us has a more important purpose for being alive than to bring other people to Jesus. Back in 2000, 2001, Kayleen and I were on sabbatical in Santa Clarita, California, assisting our son and our son-in-law in planting a new church. It was very hard work and very stressful from many standpoints. And Sunday was the toughest day of the week. Up at 4.45 a.m., we drove to the movie theater complex at 6 a.m. to set up five to seven theaters for worship and youth ministry and children's ministry and nursery. And I remember one morning the janitors had not cleaned the theaters. Have you ever seen what theaters look like after Saturday at the movies? We not only had to set up that day, we had to clean up, and we were on a dead run for over two hours. And to make matters worse, the air conditioning wasn't on that morning. It was the hardest, (laughs) the most intense work I've ever done in my life in a span of about three or four hours. One of the guys working with us was Steve. And before we left the theater that day, Steve came up and asked me if I would baptize him. He said, I've been watching you. He said what convinced him to want to become a Christian was my willingness to show up on time and to work hard as a 53-year-old man without complaining for no pay. I didn't get to preach to Him except by my actions. And my point here is not to stroke myself. I just want you to know if you will do nothing but endure, if you will just refuse to give up, God will use your dedication. He will use your discipline. He will use your diligence to bring people to Jesus. One final thing, and this is going to sound strange, since I just spent several minutes exhorting you to endure, to be strong, but I have to say it, you can't do it by yourself. You cannot do it in your own strength. You will fail. You will fall. You will quit if you try to endure on your own. And Paul knew it when he said to Timothy, you then, my son, be strong. Literally, this should be translated, be strengthened because it's in the passive voice. It is something that God does in you and something He does for you. You are the receiver of the action. Be strengthened. That's how you can be strong. And so if you fall down, God will pick you up. He'll dust you off. He'll give you the strength to go on. So if you ever feel like quitting, go to your heavenly father because isaiah 40:31 says those who trust in the lord will find new strength they will soar high on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint you know through the years I've seen a lot of people quit, I've seen people quit on Jesus after following him. I've seen people quit church for this reason or that reason, something they didn't like, someone they didn't like. But it's always in the reverse order. People always quit church first, then. Then they quit Jesus. The two reasons why people typically quit church is change. And usually that change is not theology. Sometimes it is. And if it is is theology, that's a valid reason to quit one place and start someplace else. But usually it's not that. It's usually methodology. It's not over an essential, it's over an opinion. Friends, the theology of this church is fixed and it is not going to change. It is not going to deviate. It is Christ-centered. It is Bible-based and that's where it will stay because of our elders, because of our pastoral leadership. The methods, the methodology, will probably change. Sometimes the pastor changes. That's another reason why some people quit church and eventually often quit Jesus. They were attached to someone, and they couldn't form that attachment to someone else. My friends, these are not valid reasons to quit church. And when you quit church, you jeopardize your own soul. The next step is to quit Jesus. Detachment from the church, detachment from the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, leads to detachment from Christ. So let's embrace changes in methodology. Let's embrace changes in personality. Because remember that last verse, those who trust in the Lord." They're the ones that'll mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not grow weary. Run and not faint. Will you stand with me for prayer? Father God, we've heard from the words of the Apostle Paul. We know they are straight from you. Through your human messenger, Paul, to Timothy. We get to overhear it and learn from it. And we thank you for that this morning. Lord, we are committed. We are not going to be ashamed. We're going to stand up as Christ followers in our generation. And we are not going to quit, we're going to be strong. With the strength you provide. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.